The following presentation was recorded live at the River Worship Center in Warsaw, Indiana. We now join our message already in progress. Us. Amen. The Lord chose us, and for that we're grateful and thankful today. Amen. Well, we'd like to welcome everybody joining us on the, on the live broadcast. It is, uh, it, it is awesome that, that you could join us this way. Um, again, I, I won't make any bones about it. One of these days we're not going to be here, and you will come in later, and we will have been raptured away. Hopefully you'll be with us. Um, if not, um, it wasn't because for lack of trying, because we have tried. You know, a lot of people say, well, well, I'm, I'll wait till I'm old and then I'll get ready. I'll wait till I'm old and then I will, I will live my life the way I want and then I, will, then I will give what's left to God. You know, that's, that's America culture by and large. We give our leftovers, right? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't give us his second best? American culture teaches us that you scrape a handful off the top as you go by, right? And then give what's left over to the Lord. But biblical culture says, I want to give the Lord my best. You say, well, Pastor, that's crazy because I didn't, I didn't even get saved until I, until I was 50. Well, then from that moment on, put a stake in the ground and give Him your very best every day. You've got to start where you get on board. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're running the Indy 500 or what. If you miss, if you miss the start of the, Indy, the green flag and your pit crew can't get your car started and you come out 25 laps down, guess what? You're 25 laps behind on your first try around the circle. People don't. Think about God that way, do they? I'll just give God whatever I got. And, you know, I'll just give God whatever's at hand. I'll just give God. I'll just, I'll just. But the problem with it is, is God wants your very best. He gave you his best. He wants your best from you. He tells us to be holy for he is holy, says the Lord. Amen. And so if we're going to be holy, not a whole lot of people talking about holiness these days. It's not real popular. Holiness isn't popular. You know, grace and mercy is popular. Because grace and mercy, with grace and mercy, the, what we're seeing in the abuse of grace and mercy is, well, I ain't going to go to church today and God will know and he'll forgive me. You know, so-and-so said, I read in the Bible where God will forgive everything. You sure? You sure? Might, might want to get in there. Because <laughs> even though we may not be faithful, God will remain faithful. Mm. Right? If Jesus said, if I deny him before men, he will deny me before the Father is in heaven. You say, well, I'm not denying him. Mm. Really? How many times could you have, could you have been in his house? How many times could you have been on the battlefield? How many times could you have spoken to your neighbor? How many times could you have witnessed for him, but you opted out? You, you said, well, that doesn't mean I'm denying him. You know, you know the reason that we won't tell our neighbors about Jesus is because we're afraid that they'll get mad. Not that, we're, not that we really care that they're going to hell if they don't get saved. Because if we realize, how many of us, if we're driving down the road and we see a car engulfed in flames and we see children's seats in the back, we're going to do something about it because we realize that the need is real. Vanessa and I, when we were, when we were younger, when our kids were in child seats, we were coming up um, from Wabash on, on 15 and we got to the Claypool overhead. And just as we crested the hill, there was a car on its top. The roads were icy. It took us like an hour to get from Wabash to that point. And there was a car. It had just went over, and it was spinning on its top. And there was a guy up there banging on the door on that little house across from, the, um, from, from, from Sister Ely's church there. And as my headlights got on that car that was spinning, I saw car seats, and I saw baby articles falling out of the overturned car. 
And I went and I was trying to look and see if there were children in the car. We put our four-ways on and our bright lights on so people could see coming ahead that, that we were the first ones on the scene. And the, and the driver was in shock. He, he'd went off to one side and overcorrected and came back up and flipped upside down. And I'm thinking, and, and we kept trying to ask him, are there kids with you? Are there children in the car? Are there? And he's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm dizzy. I'm, and, and he was getting ready to go into shock. And finally, and finally, I grabbed his vest and I said, are there children in the car, man? The need was real. Do we have people that we know that are dying and going to hell? Will we see them tomorrow or do we know? The need is absolutely as real. Now, I've got some friends that say, well, if I don't, the Lord will send somebody else. That's, that's, that's true. It, it, you know, as Mordecai, you know, no said to, to, to Esther, you know, he said, he said, sure, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's true. The Lord, will, the Lord will, will send somebody else, but he called you. He called you. That was your job. He called you. That's our job. Amen? Well, again, so who knows but whether we were born for such a time as this. I was thinking this week, and, and uh, this week's been a particular um, um, strange week for me, and, and we're going to go into Luke, uh, the eighth, eighth chapter of Luke, and begin around verse 40, but one of the things that, that the Lord impressed upon my heart came from um, a preacher down in, in um, Tom's Creek, Kentucky. His name is Kelly Cottle, and he came through in the early 1980s and did a bunch of revivals in, in, the, in the churches down and around the Wabash area. And one night, I just happened to be sitting in one of those services. And as I was sitting in one of those services... A, a backslidden young man. You say, well, whoa, whoa, wait. You said you were brought up in the church. I was. I was born in the church. My, on a Sunday night, my mom missed Sunday night service to go to the hospital so she could bring me home. The very next week, I was in, I was in church. There wasn't any of that. How much of... How much, you know, how much church could you miss? It was every, every Sunday morning, Sunday evening, uh, Wednesday evening, and, and, and Saturday evening. And so having been born and raised in the church, um, I had, had accepted the Lord as, as a nine-year-old, as a nine-year-old young boy, which was kind of odd because people didn't think that children could be saved. Go figure. Didn't believe that children... Could, it, could, could receive salvation. But as Ray Comfort says, I found that girls were more appealing than Noah's Ark and the Word of God. And my life took a turn. So, ten years afterwards... This guy from Kentucky who didn't know me from Adam came up and he took us into Luke's Gospel, chapter 13, and he began, he began to tell the story in verse number 5. He says, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And in verse number 6, he spoke to them a parable. And it said, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his garden, in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. What's one thing that the Lord's looking for in our lives? What is the fruit of a Christian? Well, I don't want to make it too difficult theologically for you. But if I, if I have cats, what's the fruit of cats? kittens if i have sheep what's the fruit of sheep lambs if i have peaches what's the fruit of the peach tree peaches right unless the critters get them and i and i fight them off vehemently if i have a cherry tree what, what's the fruit of a cherry tree cherries 
So what is the fruit of a Christian? Not rocket science, is it? It's not rocket science. I mean, we're to be bringing other people to the Lord, and we're going to get into that just a little bit. He said he had come seeking fruit and, and on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and, and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also. Until I dig around it and fertilize it, and if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. The Lord is looking for us to bear fruit. As a matter of fact, He's looking for us, and we've been, we're going to be learning on, on Sunday nights, that He doesn't just want us to bear fruit, as I've talked about my, my one cherry tree in, in the 20 years that we've had it or 10 years that we've had it, I've got one cherry off of it. One cherry, 10 years. Not even enough to taste, let alone make jam, jelly, or preserves. That's not a productive tree. What we have in the body of Christ then is we have people who are more interested in external goings-ons than they are in following the command and gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is looking for fruit. Right? He's looking for us to be reproducing after our own kind and bearing fruit. And not only fruit, but much fruit. Amen? And so as we're going through the as we're going through the, the, the scriptures today, just bear in mind that he's looking for us to bear much fruit. And if we go to the to the verse for, that we've had for the year, it, 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 we have to love the Lord. Jesus said it in, in Matthew's gospel, chapter 22, verse 37. We have to love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, with all our soul and with all of our mind. That means there are certain things that we got to push out of our mind can't give them resonance there because they'll eat you they'll eat you from within have you ever had a thought consume you you went to lay down and all of a sudden you're thinking about it you get up the next morning after you after you had pitiful sleep and you're thinking about it you know we're to take every thought into captivity we're to bring it into captivity we're to take control of it we heard last week to be careful how we hear amen and so we need to understand then that we need to be careful not only of what we're hearing but how we're hearing it you ever have anybody tell you something and it got you mad at the person they were talking about only to find out that they were lying and then what do you do <laughs> then then what do you i mean it's it's kind of like the it's kind of like the guy that went down to went down to to McDonald's on uh, on lunch and and got him got him some lunch and he came back to the office and this back when they all had to wear ties and he had mustard on his tie sorry about that I didn't mean to hit that he had mustard on his tie you know mustard is one of the hardest things to get out I mean you can you can used to used to you take a tie you, you ever take clothes to Goodwill and they search them right where you're going through them. They look at him. Oh, that's the, oh, that's oh no 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 that's a. You know, I had ties one time that 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 had I, I don't know what it was. It was like Kool Aid or something. Because when you got kids, you're gonna have Kool Aid. Hey, Kool Aid man, get it on my tie right there. See if you can hit it. You know, and they did. And they said, Nah, we won't want this. We don't want this. We don't want this. And it's like, okay. I gave them to I gave them to either my my grandmother or sister Abo, and they made a quilt out of them. That was pretty. They just cut out the spot they didn't want. That's a, that's a that's the difference between an artisan and a beggar. I'll just throw that out there. All right. Jesus said in, in verse number 38, he says, For this is the first and great commandment. So if it's the first, what does that imply? It's number one. Priority, it's the top. But there are more. It's the first one. 
that means there are more to follow, right? There are more to follow, amen? All right. Okay, go over with me now to Luke, Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 40. And, and I, don't have, I don't have a whole lot of, of, of message for you today, but what I have is awesome. Okay. Now, this is just before Jesus starts sending out the 12. Okay? Because over in, in, in chapter 9, you'll see your header of your Bible says sending out the, the, of the 12, right? So here we are, and we're beginning in, in, verse, in verse number 40. Up and coming. You would think everybody in Jesus' Bible college would be saved. You would think there would be no jealousy in Jesus' Bible college. You would think that everybody that was a disciple of Christ would follow hard after Christ and, and obey His teachings, wouldn't you? One would think, but one would be wrong, wouldn't one? All right. Verse number 40. So, so it was that when Jesus returned that, um, that the multitude welcomed Him, for they were all waiting for Him. Now, some people say that this is odd. Some people, I, I don't. Because a lot of people have a lot of star worship, idol worship going on. You know, you could, we, we've even noticed it. I, I, you know, I, I, we've been at places where, where you know, we, we sat with, with pretty much, you know, a, a, half, a half a house when, when a wonderful, wonderful man of God like Jess Gibson would minister, right? How, how many of you in this room really were ministered and touched by the ministry of, of, of Pastor Jess Gibson? Didn't the guy touch us? Didn't he move us? Didn't he? I mean, we had a palm tree back there for, for, for a couple of years that we brought over from the other place until somebody didn't know how to take care of palm trees and overwatered it and killed it. None, none, no present company excluded. There was somebody that liked to water them a lot. <laughs> Rotted the roots. Palm trees just need a sip every now and again. That was the message that Pastor Jess taught us. You'll be like a tree planted by the waters, right? And, and, and so when Pastor Jess would come, you'd have maybe a half a house. But you let a big name come, and it was standing room only, and some people didn't get there on the time they thought they ought to get there, and they had to go out into the overflow and even it's out into some of the other classrooms because this big name preacher was coming. They had, rock star, they had a rock star following, but they, but, they, but they did not have the message or the power that a Pastor Jess would have. Right? You'll, you'll remember that. And so it wasn't strange that wherever Jesus went, a crowd got up because he fed everybody. Right? That Texan guy, that, that Texan rancher cooking, wasn't the first one to say, y'all eat yet. All right? I did just throw it out there. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. She was dying. Things take a turn for the serious when you know or realize that people are dying. I just throw that out there free. Don't charge you anything extra for that. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. So here is a, a man who got a hold of Jesus and said, My daughter's dying. And Jesus started to go to take care and heal his daughter, but the crowds pressed upon him. Kind of like Highway 30. 32 minutes the other day to get from where the Kmart used to be to where the Myers is. It was faster if we could only do it. 
to go up into Myers and come out that little sideway and, and go home. You're blocked in. You're packed in like sardines. I did see something funny on the, on the ink-free news. A guy thought, I will, I'm smarter than that. My motorcycle will fit between the barricades and I'm going to dodge this traffic and out he goes and whoop, down he goes because it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, 80 tons or whether it's, you know, 1,500 pounds on a Harley. It doesn't matter. Wet cement is still wet cement. And you shall not go far. Your progress shall be impeded. And then some of the comments afterwards were not very complimentary. Um, they were humorous, but they were not very complimentary. Sometimes we try to get to God another way. Sometimes we try to get to God and say, I can go this or I can shortcut that. I can shortcut this. When we need to understand then that the devil will lay snares, the devil will lay, as it were, wet concrete, and we are sure to be bound up and we are sure to get stuck if we don't go Jesus' way. Amen? And the crowds, the multitudes thronged him. That's interesting. He's on a mission. And he's being, he's being held back. He's being detained. He's being slowed down. He's on a mission. How many times have we been on a mission and we get detained? How many times have we been doing something we just want to get from point A to point B and then back to point A again and, and, and with, without being molested or without being... And the ne next thing you know, somebody is, is coming up to you in a Lowe's or somebody's coming up to you uh, uh, for some crab rangoons or somebody's coming up to you and saying, hey, didn't you used to go over there? I got a question. What does the Word of God say? Did that ever happen to anyone? Has it ever happened to anyone? You, were, you went there or were headed somewhere for a certain or specific reason and all of a sudden you get detained and you can't make it there. And, and, and the first thing, especially in American culture, Hoosier culture, the first thing is to get upset. Oh man, I, I got to get over there. I got to go over there. But God has a mission. And he interjects a mission. And we got one of two choices. We can either get all mad and miss it. We can say, hey, listen, you know, come, you know, some more convenient time. Now we're going to get into that on Wednesday. Uh, some more convenient time. Because as we, as we find, there never, ever, ever comes a more convenient time. That's why your Bible says that today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So the multitude thronged him, and, and, and he couldn't get to J. Iris's right away. Now a woman, in verse number 43, a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years. How old was J. Iris's daughter? Is there some significance then to 12 years? Is there some significance? Or, or, do we, or do we just read the Bible and say, well, that's a good story. That's a, that's a wonderful story. Oh, boy, look. You know, J.R., he's on the way to heal J. Iris' daughter. She's dying. And this woman, ha having a flow of blood for 12 years... She'd also spent all of her livelihood or all of her savings on physicians and could not be healed by any. But she'd heard of Jesus. Thank God for, for her sake, she hadn't heard of Facebook. Because she'd heard of Jesus. And she had said to herself, if I can just touch 
the hem of his garment. Let me show you. Mute me. Okay, don't. If she could just touch the hem, the the beautiful hem of the of the talit that he was wearing. In the hem of the garment, and I'm and I'm not disrespecting this, please, please, I'm just trying to get it where you can see it. In the knots contain every promise of God. She was forbidden from going to synagogue. She was unclean. She was forbidden from being in the crowd. She was unclean. She had already risked all of her money. Her hope was waning, if not gone. Her money, all of her opportunities, was gone. She couldn't get to the temple. Remember, a couple of weeks ago we talked about the, 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 the beggar, the, the lame man sitting outside the temple, outside the gate, which is called beautiful. And he sat there every day and begged for alms from those. He could hear the worship going on from behind him. He could see the people coming out and rejoicing that have been in the, in the temple and serving and worshiping God. He could see the joy on their faces. And he longed that he might one day go in there, but he knew he was forbidden. Do you know the difference between this woman, the beggar, and today's society? Nobody is longing to go into God's house anymore. They, they don't believe anymore that God can and God will save, deliver, and heal. Because if America believed it, the church houses would be full. They, they, would, say, they would say, you, you, you politicians and, and, you, and you, false, you false people that are violating your Hippocratic oath, you, you, guys, you, guys are, you guys are false prophets. I know where the true Messiah is. I know where there's true power at. I know where there's true healing at. And you ain't going to keep me out of his presence. But we don't know. We don't know him anymore so here she comes through the crowd she could be stoned for this very action pastor Aaron can be jailed for having church she could be stoned because she was an unclean woman and in Middle Eastern society yet today in all the Arab countries, women are second rate, second class. Their money and their possession are worth more than their, than their wives and their daughters. If I could just touch the hem. I don't need to, I don't need to get any closer than the promises of God. Because in every knot of the hymn, oh, can you imagine, can you imagine when Jesus was walking through the streets and, and this, was, this was him, on him it would went all the way to, his, to the top of his feet and as he walked, his, his feet would touch the promise. Oh, mm. As he began to walk, he would, the, the priest, when they, when they walked, their, their feet would brush against the promises of God. You, you talk about walking in the promises of God. Let me just tell you something. We can walk in the promises of God today and we don't have to have, we don't have to wear a tallit. We don't have to, we've got the word of God, the promises of God. They're right here for us and yet we can't even get people to read the word of God, let alone press through a crowd. In, in a situation that is threatening if I could just touch the hymn if I could just touch the hymn 
on the bottom of this tallit has Malachi 4 and 2. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in His wings. She had to get to Jesus. She had to get to her Lord. She had to get, because the doctors had tried and failed. She'd spent all the money that she had and it hadn't bought her one day of life. As he was pressed on every side, she came up behind him. Verse number 44. She came up behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood was stopped. (laughs) And Jesus said, who touched me? Oh, that America would touch Jesus again. Oh, that we could get Hoosiers to touch Jesus again. And Jesus said, who touched me? And everybody denied it. Everybody, no, no, not, no, no, not me, not me, not me, not me. Oh, oh no, 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 no. And Peter said, you got to love Peter. Peter, Peter, you know, he, he just kind of blurted out what was on his mind. You ever know anybody like that? You just kind of, you're going to know what's on their mind. They may not be mean to be hurtful about it. They may not, but they're just going to say what's on their mind, you know. And, and Peter and, and, and when he said, he said, who touched me? And when all denied it, Peter and though with those around him said, Master, the multitude throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? But in verse number 46, Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceive power going out from me. Are you here today? One of the one of the classes that we're getting ready to go through is, is to bring is to reintroduce the hymns to a hymnless generation. A lot of people don't understand, but there's a hymn that says somebody touched me. And it was based on Jesus being touched. And I think it's time in America that we begin to we begin to call out and try to reach out so that we too may touch Jesus, so that his power may flow in our lives, in our homes, in our streets, in our community. You don't have to believe it. That's a good thing about God. You you can take him or leave him. You can, you can receive him or not. He, he's not going to come down and he's not going to say convert or die. He's not going to do that to you. Jesus won't do that to you. There's another group if you want to be, if you want to be forcibly, you know, there's another group that will do that, but Jesus won't. Jesus would rather you love him of your own accord than to try to be forced or by coercion. Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I felt the power going out from me. How many of us today have something that we're dealing with in our lives that we need to feel Jesus' power going out? How many of us in this room and on that camera know right now that we've got something in our lives and we need to be touching Jesus? We're going to have to make up our minds then that we're going to press through. That we're going to have to press through the crowd. We're going to have to press through not having any money. We're going to have to press through coming to the point of almost, almost giving up in despair. One last shot. One chance, one hope, one God, and one Savior. Jesus. You say, well, that was just a that was just a one-off. Oh, really? Have you not read where Jesus was crucified? And on either side of him were thieves and robbers. And they were railing and they were cursing. And, and, and the one was saying, if you're the son of God, you know, get us out of here. Let's all go out of here. If you're really who you say you are. You know what is amazing to me? And, and I've never quite understood this yet. The way you live is the way you will die. The way that you live 
is the way that you shut down. I don't know what that's all about. Sorry. If you don't have time for Jesus right now, you won't have time for Jesus on your deathbed. If you don't have time for the Lord when things are good, when things are bad, you won't call on him either. I think 2020 was proof positive of that. If you're waiting on something to happen for you to call upon the Lord, you don't missed it. If you're waiting on something to happen for you to say, oh, this is it. It's my time. I need to. Your Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. If you've been waiting on some big event, if you woke up this morning, there's your there's your wake up call. The thieves on the cross, they were they were railing. Well, if you really are who you say you are, then you come down. If you really are who you say you are, then you come down. And Jesus said, <laughs> he didn't he didn't respond. And finally, one. One of them. One of them got it. Mute it, please. One of them got it. I'll keep using this as long as I can. And there on the cross dying. I don't know if it was the words from a Sunday school teacher. I don't know what it was. I don't know maybe if it was he heard grandma or grandma or grandpa. I don't know what it was. But there on the cross, one of them said, Lord, remember me. Remember me when you come into this kingdom, your kingdom. Could the other one not have said that? Could not the, the, the Roman guards not have said that? Could not the entire crowd not have said that? But one man began to realize, and it took a life-ending event for him to realize that I'm being crucified by the Son of God. Beside the Son of God, not by Him. And I love what Jesus tells him. He said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Not tomorrow, not in, the, not, not, not in the millennium, but this day you will be with me in paradise. And so as we see, as you live, you will die. If you're living apart from God and you're living accusing God and you're living every which way and you could care less about God or Jesus Christ in your life, you will die that way most likely. <clears throat> and, I, I, and I particularly believe if anyone was looking for a, a landmark event to bring them closer to the Lord and to finally surrender to Jesus... 2020 and 2021 are it. So that's two years. How long has the Lord come looking for us? Remember he said, three years I've come looking. For the last three years I've come and I've sought fruit off of this person. They, They say that they believe in me. They say that, they, that, that, that they're saved. They say that they, they believe in me. But for three years I've come and I haven't found not one flake of fruit in their life. What then? Cut them down. Cut it down. And Jesus, who represents the, 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 the vineyard keeper, the vine dresser, he said, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. Let, let them have this year also. If you've been waiting for that significant event, let me tell you, you missed it. And you may be on the grace of this year also. If that's you, The Lord is begging and pleading with you, come home. Come home. You know the wonderful story about the prodigal son? 
while he was wasting his father's inheritance with riotous living, I believe that dad was still setting him a plate at the table. While he was out doing whatever he was doing. And that had to really tick off the older son. Why are you still setting him a table, a plate? He's not coming. I've had people tell me that about some of the people that I've been praying for. They're not coming. They're not coming. Oh, but today would be the day that they would realize they would come to their senses and come home. You know, we're praying for our families. We're praying for our community. We're praying for our friends. We're praying for our neighbor. But are we setting them a place at the table? There's a story told of a, of a community that was in a terrible drought just before the Dust Bowl. And they called a time. This is back before, this is back before anybody got too smart to believe in God. And, and they called for a town prayer meeting so that they might pray for rain. So that the Lord would bless their town and their crop. All the townspeople showed up, and one nine year old boy brought an umbrella. He was exercising faith. I'm praying for rain. It's going to be raining by the time I'm leaving. <coughs> but Jesus said, Unless you repent, you're going to all likewise perish. And you know the thing that, that gets me? The thing that, that, that I look at this and I'm like, what on earth? There are people, there are people who are, think that they are better than somehow anyone else. And they're, well, at least I'm not, I have, a, I have a friend. He goes, well, at least I don't gamble and drink my check away. I'm good to my wife and my family. I don't have Jesus in my heart, but at least I don't gamble and I, and I, and I don't drink my check away and I don't do drugs. And, I'm, and, and, and it's like, you know what? That's, that's wonderful, but it won't buy you one square inch in heaven. Unless you be born again, you will in no wise enter in to the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> All right. He said, somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. If you don't have that verse highlighted, I think I would highlight it. Because that implies and that indicates for us that we can still touch Jesus, and he will still issue power in our situation. Amen. Amen. <sighs> now, when the woman, now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. And she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason that she had touched him. And how she was healed immediately. <laughs> oh, I, I, I would to God. And we leave time on, on Wednesdays. We leave time for testimonies. And she declared in front of Jesus and everybody around. Remember, it was a multitude. She didn't care. She didn't, she didn't care who knew. She didn't care what happened after that. She said, the reason I did was because I'd spent everything for 12 years. I've been in this situation, and I don't know how long the situation is that you've been in, but she could only bear it for 12 years, and she spent everything. And when she touched Jesus, she could bear it no longer. And she began to tell everyone that, that when I touched him, immediately I received my healing. I would to God that America would try again to touch Jesus. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Now, I used to think this was odd. I used to think this statement was odd. Daughter, be of good cheer. I mean, check this out. She'd just been healed of a flow of blood for 12 years, and it stopped immediately. Do you really have to tell somebody like that to cheer up and be happy? Well, you haven't seen American Christians, have you? American believers, God blesses them every day. And as Pastor Burkhart used to, was fondly uh, used to remember to saying, some of America's 
Christians who are blessed every day have faces as long as an army mule. Eeyore Christians. Oh, woe is me. Well, God saved me from a devil's hell. I guess that's good. I had a bed to sleep in last night. I, I guess that's better than some of our counterparts in India that had a rattan mat where cobras and tarantulas and scorpions crawled all over them. Woe is me. You might want to highlight this one too. When the Lord moves in your life, you need to be able to cheer up. Be of good cheer. I think, I think that one of the things that's missing in America is our testimony. One of the things that we're, is missing from us is, is that we get healed and then we want to sneak back into the, into, into the crowd. And, and Jesus said, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And while he was still speaking, verse number 49, and while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. End of story. Daughter's dead. She's passed. Mm -mm -mm. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him as saying, do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Jesus is still answering today, do not be afraid, only believe. What's the one thing that the world has dumped on us by the train load in 2020, 2021 is fear. And Jesus is saying, do not be afraid, only believe. <laughs> and she will be made well. And when he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except for Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, and he said, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And this same guy, this same one, this same rabbi, this same teacher, that just before they were lauding, and just before they saw healing, and they were praising, and they began to ridicule him, knowing that she was dead. Maybe then death isn't what we think it is. What's death to the creator of life? What is, what is death to the creator, the giver, the restorer of life? Mm. Then he put them all outside. Ain't nobody got time for that. Jesus is like, you get out of here. You and your unbelief, you want to believe that she's dead, that's fine. You want to believe that there's no power in God, that's fine. You don't want to, you don't want to, come, to come to God's house on something, that's fine. Go on out. Pretty soon he's going to close the door behind you just like he did in Noah's day. Pretty soon the door is fixing to close, and when God shuts the door, there ain't going to be nobody going to open it. And, and, and unless, unless you have an epiphany soon... The door is about ready to shut on you because my spirit will not always strive with man, says the word of God. Some are about ready to have the epiphany of epiphanies. But he put them all outside and took her by the hand and called saying, little girl, arise. Talitha Kume. Oh, if you, if you only knew. If, if you only knew. Little girl, he took her by the hand. And, and, and when he took her by the hand, notice he didn't remove his cloak. 
and the very promises of God brushed over the little girl. The very promises in Malachi chapter 4 touched her life, changed her life, restored her life. God is the giver of life. He is the, he is the restorer of life. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. It doesn't matter. We were singing this morning. We, we, we speak the name of Jesus over every addiction. We speak the name of Jesus over our city. We speak the name of Jesus over our, our family. Because at the name of Jesus, everyone should bow. And the little girl arise. Then her spirit returned. And she arose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. He said, don't tell. You know the fastest way to get anybody to tell anything? Don't tell. I mean, seriously, how many of you, how many of you have been watching the, the History Channel and you see now documents that were classified with like a dozen X's, which mean ultra-high classification certification, and now you're looking at them on TV in front of God and everybody? The best, thing, the best thing you can do to get somebody to tell is to say, don't tell anybody. My aunt used to do that. It used to kill me. I love her, but she used to kill me. Oh, she'd start in the middle of a story. Oh, boy. And, and now, 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 God bless her. She's a beautician, so beauticians kind of come by it natural, right? Oh, I, I shouldn't tell you this, but, or I can't, or, or get halfway through, so I, I can't tell you. You know what? I'm glad that in the, in the 80s and 70s there was a song, and we used to sing it as part of the youth group. It said, get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited and go tell everybody. Maybe, maybe we need to use some of Jesus' own wisdom and knowledge here and say, what you're getting here at the river, don't go tell nobody because we ain't got seats. You received a healing, don't go tell. Jesus healed you here, don't go tell. Jesus delivered you, don't go tell. Maybe that's the, the reverse psychology that, that Jesus was using and His fame spread all throughout. Or could it be, and I'm going to close with this. we got a lot to get into on Wednesday night, but I'm going to close with this. Could it be that we become too familiar with God's grace, God's love, and God's mercy? You see, for the past 40 years, it's been cheap grace. You can do whatever you want, God will still forgive you. You can do whatever you want, God will still. I, I don't know, some of, us need to, some of us need to check out maybe Hebrews chapter 6, and, and if we willfully sin, see what kind of sacrifice remains for us. If we willfully continue in sin deliberately, because our conscience, that hardwired part that we talked about last week, can become seared as if it were by a hot iron. We can cauterize, as it were, our conscience, and we get beyond feeling. Are we still feeling a draw and a tug from the Holy Spirit of God when we do something that's contrary to his word and his will? I pray, God, that we are. Because if we're not... We're like one who has lost the nerves in their body. And they can't tell other than by smell if their flesh is burning. They can't tell other, by, other than by looking and becoming faint if they're bleeding out. They can't tell because they're beyond feeling. The Bible calls it past feeling.
and say, I'm so tired. I'm so, I'm so, I just wish that God would come. I just, you know, he's waiting because there are some that are going to be caught in destruction when he comes. That's why your Bible calls the day of the Lord that great and terrible day of the Lord. For some, it's going to be awesome. For others. And if you look at Matthew chapter 7, the majority, it's going to be awful, dreadful, terrible. I don't want that to be you. I don't want that to be my family. I don't want that to be my friends. All because they didn't have to curse God. All they had to do was reject him. And a lot of people say, well, I believe in him. I believe in him. Let me ask you a question. And I'm closing with this. A lot of people say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in, I, I believe in, in God. Two scenarios. Does the young children that get in the boat that are forced to put on a heavy, cumbersome life jacket do they believe in the life jacket versus story number two, the man who has spent three weeks in the ocean adrift? Does he believe in the life jacket? Which one believes more in the life jacket? You see, you're never going to believe in the life jacket fully until you have to use it. Oh, you know it can. Personal flotation devices, you know it can, but until it does, you're still going to wonder. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to wear it. It, 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 it. it binds me here. It's hot. But until you have to use it. Let me ask you again. One more scenario. We, you hear us talking about the life jacket and the, li- and, and the parachute. Who believes more in the parachute? The guy who packs it or the guy who has to put it on? Now, you've got to hope they both believe. But who believes more? The one that's sitting on the floor rolling it up and tucking it in? What if he's tucking in one for a guy you don't like? What if, he's, what if he's folding a parachute for the guy that stole his best gal? What if he's got ulterior motives? What if he's the vice president of a company? Who has to believe in it more? Engine number two conks out, and you come into earth at 120 miles an hour. you better be able to believe in your parachute. 17,000 miles an hour, the earth is traveling through space. That's faster than a plane crashing. You better be able to believe in the one who said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you always even until the end of the age. Amen? Well, I hope today has blessed you. I hope it's given you some food for thought. And I hope that you're encouraged. Get to God's house while you still can. There's power in the name of Jesus. Amen? Praise God. Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you. We give you all the honor, all the glory, for you alone are worthy. And Lord God, we just thank you that no matter what we're facing today, yours is the name above every name. And Lord, we give you all the honor and the glory. And it's in your majestic and wonderful name we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Huh? I have to check out that. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us here at the River, you can email us at study at riverwc, all one word, dot O-R-G. Again, that's email to study at riverwc, 
Dot .org God bless you